Hi, and welcome to the Watermark Equipping Podcast, a monthly conversation about faith seeking understanding from Watermark Community Church here in Dallas, Texas. I'm your host, Caitlin Van Wagner, and this is my co-host, Oren Martin, the Senior Director of Equipping here at Watermark. Hey, Oren, how are you? Hello, I'm doing great. And we're welcoming back again, Blake Holmes, our lead pastor here at Watermark. Hey, Blake. Hey, friends. Welcome. Excited to be back. Okay, so we're excited to be back here today because this is actually part two of a two-part episode about— one of y'all's favorite topics, the church. Or both of us. Or, or both, both of us. <laughs> oh, both of us, yes. Y'all really nerded out on us. And so we needed, I needed, we needed to do a two-part because we really got, we got a lot of content into that first part. So if we, if our listeners or viewers missed the first part, they should go back and listen to that before this one. But Oren, why don't you talk about specifically what we're going to be covering in part two of this episode? Yeah, so kind of piggybacking on our last episode about the church, we want to drill down more deeply on, on what is a healthy church, right? We at Watermark want to be a faithful church mm-hmm. in line with a long Christian tradition. Uh, and so, you know, we're going to talk more specifically about how do we do that at Watermark? Okay, great. All right. So we have some characteristics of a healthy church that we're just going to go through. And then later on, we'll talk about the, how we apply those specifically here at Watermark. So let's just start. Let's get going. Let's go. What are the marks or characteristics of a healthy church? So, Oren, why don't you talk about the first one? Yeah. So here, here are some essential qualities that make for a faithful church. Now, these are in no you know, order of importance per se. Uh, but, but I would say things like uh, a faithful church has leadership. Uh, God has, has commissioned uh, the church to be led by elders, pastors who are biblically qualified men. We see that in 1 Timothy 3. Uh, uh, Titus 1. Uh, other marks would, would include um, the preaching of God's Word, the administration of the ordinances, baptism of the Lord's Supper, uh, church discipline, fellowship, prayer, mission in terms of evangelism and, and uh, taking the gospel to those who need to hear it. Those would be some of the important qualities of what makes for a faithful church. Okay. Well, let's take them one by one. Okay. All right. So Great. let's start with the first one. Uh, let's start with preaching of the word. Yeah, talk preaching. to us a little bit about why that is the character a characteristic of a healthy church. Yeah, so you know, I would say it's not simply a characteristic; it is the maybe Mount Everest. Okay. Uh, th- th- uh, from which, right, the the rest of the the qualities kind of flow. Mm-hmm. And we talked about that a lot in part one of that of this episode. So go back and listen to that. But what else would you say about it? Yeah. So Jesus commissions the apostles, and he gives the authority to to every local church. We see that in places like Matthew sixteen and eighteen, and then how that then is seen as a pattern throughout the New Testament. Uh, like like Paul says to Timothy, preach the word in season and out of season. That that is the uh, mark or, or quality that r- really makes the church what it is. Be- because the gospel, the right preaching of the gospel makes the church, creates the church, as God works through the preaching of the gospel to call out people from darkness into light uh, to, to gather to, to be the church, to be the people of God. And so the preaching is is so important because from the preaching of the word, we, we learn about who God is. We learn about who we are as created in his image. We learn about who we are as sinners who need to be reconciled to God. We learn about how God has, has uh, given us the gift of reconciliation by sending his son to reconcile us from our sins uh, to God by tr- uh, turning from our sins and trusting in Jesus. And then what, what it means to live as the people of God as we are on mission together. So a lot of different pastors have different styles of teaching yeah. or preaching. Does Scripture dictate which style of preaching is necessary for a healthy church? What would you say about the different styles of preaching God's Word? Yeah, the, you know, there are different styles. You know, people can talk about, um, you know, we're talking about like, you know, is, can you, be, you have, do you have to be a certain kind of charismatic, right? Have some kind of, of charisma to, to do it. Do you have to be more, stage. yeah. Do you yeah. have to have, be more energetic, whatever it is? Well, we don't have, you know, prescriptive things in Scripture. We just say commands like preach the Word. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, so 
you know, we would say that, or I would say maybe preach the word as it's given to us in Scripture, right? So that's why we do expositional preaching. We don't just, uh, you know, pick a topic, some random topic, and then mine the Scriptures and say, you know, cover 50 different passages. No, mm-hmm. we want to we preach the Bible so that we can teach our people how to read the Bible. Got and it. we want to read it from beginning to end. We want to preach through books of the Bible, uh, so on and so forth, so, so that we can learn how to rightly interpret, uh, understand, and apply God's Word. So even in the preaching, we are modeling for people how to read their Bible. Yes. Okay. And so, you know, I'll say one quick thing, maybe a, a, a little, you know, handle on that is, is make the main point of the text the main point of the sermon uh, because okay. you're teaching people h- how to rightly understand and apply God's Word. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. All right. The next mark of a healthy church or characteristic of a healthy church is membership. So, Blake, why don't you talk to us a little bit about what Scripture has to say about membership inside a church? Yeah, you know, so this is one that I think is um, often misunderstood. Because I will often hear people say, hey, Blake, I don't see membership in Scripture. I mean, where, find me the word membership, which I'd say, well, find me the word Trinity. You're not going to find that either, but it's certainly something the Bible teaches. And I would say you don't see the word membership mm-hmm. in Scripture, but it is assumed throughout all of the Bible. It's assumed in the structure of the church that you would have elders who are to shepherd the flock of God amongst them. It's assumed through the care of the church. You see that in uh, the pastoral epistles and Paul talking about how to care for widows. You see it in the correction of the church and how we're to hold one another accountable, the one another's of the church. You see it in the metaphors of the church. So it's it's just assumed. And so um, if you don't have members, then... Um, how can you carry out each of those aspects that I just spoke of? And how can we know um, who wants to be accountable and be a part of this? You know, it's funny. In our society, we'll quickly, we'll join a gym. We'll join a country club. We'll join a book club. But then when we talk about, hey, you should join a church, it's like, well, wait a minute. That feels legalistic. That feels... Um, uh, pharisaical to me exclusive. or foreign to me. It, it could ex- feel exclusive. It could yeah. feel exclusive. Or con- conversely, it could feel inclusive because it gives you a chance to be a part mm-hmm. of something, to belong. Yeah. It's just, you know, the exclusive potentially feels that way because you do have the opportunity to be inclusive. Mm-hmm. It's right. Is it half full or is it half empty? So is it dark or is it bright? Well, you have it dark because you have lightness over here. And so I would say, sure, it could. It, it could feel exclusive. I hope that it wouldn't. There would be a place where all are welcomed, all are called to come. Um, but um, just because you're welcome, that doesn't mean everybody chooses to belong to that local body. You've got to make that choice. Mm-hmm. And when you do make that choice, man, there's great blessing and benefit I think the Lord has for you. Okay. So that's the second characteristic mm-hmm. of a healthy church. The third is discipleship. Mm-hmm. So, Blake, why don't you tell us a little bit about discipleship? What does it mean? What does Scripture have to say about it? Okay, well, this could be a podcast in and of itself. Um, what is discipleship? So I like the definition that Dallas Willard uses for discipleship. He says, discipleship is the process of becoming who Jesus would be if he were you. I mean, what a, mm-hmm. that's, that's, a great, that's a great way of thinking about it. When we think about discipleship, it is becoming more like Jesus. Mm -hmm. It's falling more in love with Jesus to become more like him. So that's what what discipleship is. I think we've wrongly understood discipleship um, within evangelicalism as a disciple is someone who's more committed to following Jesus or is somebody Mm -hmm. who's been through this particular class or has memorized these verses, right? 
And that's a wrong way of thinking about it. Every believer is called into a discipleship relationship with Jesus. Mm-hmm. We are being discipled. We And we'll even use la- lazy language like, oh, those are the guys Oren's discipling. No, Jesus is the one who disciples uh, us, right? Okay. And I can invest in and encourage and lead others and and hopefully help them. I can spend time with Oren while having on my mind, as best I can, while having on my mind what's on the mind of Christ, that I can encourage him in his walk. But that's what the church should look like as we are spending t- intentionally spending time with each other so that we can grow fall more in love with Jesus Christ and become more like him. That's what discipleship is, and that's what every church should look like, and that's a process. For some reason, that word has always been difficult for me to understand. I think it is that are we disciples? Are we making disciples? Are we engaging in discipleship, right? It's just a big word that has a lot of—we know it's really important, and it has a lot of meaning. So what I hear you saying— Blake, is that Jesus is the one that disciples. And yes. we encourage and help each other. And inside the church, we should be marked by we are all being discipled more into the likeness of Christ. Is that that's what I'm a, hearing? That's exactly right. And it's, a, and it's a process, mm-hmm. right? And we we make mistakes. We let each other down. We, it's, we're not a perfect people. We serve a perfect Lord, though. Okay. And we're on a perfect mission. But, um, but in our discipleship, um, we let each other down. We make mistakes. We sin against each other. And, uh, and that's where, as a part of local church, we extend grace to each other and we help each other. Got it. And isn't that important for our mission, right? That, that, that a disciple is a learner, right? Mm-hmm. A learner of what? Or maybe we should say a learner of whom? Of Jesus. That's right. And so we're not making disciples uh, who, who are passionate about our hobby horses, right? Whatever that could be, a, a political horse? view or, yeah. yeah. Or What's a hobby wh- whatever horse? We, yeah. I'm sorry, I'm camping out. <laughs> I need you to unpack it's, that for It's me. just whatever thing that you're passionate okay, about, great. right? That it could be, could be uh, politics, it could be, I mean, it could be a hobby, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it could be, you know, I want to disciple you to become a better golfer. Well, when you talk about Christian discipleship, to be a disciple is to be a student or a learner or follower of Jesus. Okay. And so we all are that by virtue of being Christians, and we want to help each other uh, become better disciples or followers or learners of Jesus. Okay, so discipleship is one of the characteristics of a healthy church. Mm-hmm. The next one, another characteristic, is the concept of having elders or leadership. So, Blake, why don't you talk to us a little bit about what Scripture has to say about that? Well, we talked about this um, in our previous podcast, but um, God has given uh, to the church leaders. So, he's given to the church three things. He's given the church um, the office of elder. He's given the church the offices, the oracles, and the ordinances. Okay, the three O's right there. But one of those is the offices. You have church leadership's church structure. So um, this, when you think of church leadership, I know, Mm -hmm. and I said this before in the other podcast, but I want to repeat it here in case someone missed it. It, We often think of authority as as a bad word, but God gives us um, authority within the church, leadership within the church, to provide and to protect us, just like parents provide and protect for kids. So the question is, are you under a healthy authority, mm-hmm. a biblical authority, or an unhealthy authority? And we we know that both of those exist. Yeah. And so, but hopefully, you would have an elder team of men who um, are submit themselves to each other and to our Lord Jesus and seek to follow him and all that he instructs us in his word. Mm-hmm. So one mark of a healthy church or characteristic of a healthy church is healthy church leadership of, of whom the body um, is accountable to, mm-hmm. okay? And so because as an elder at Watermark, I know from the book of Hebrews that I'm going to be held accountable 
I'm going to stand before God and give an account for how we led this body. And so, and that is an overwhelming Mm -hmm. text Mm -hmm. for me. And so just to get inside your head for a little bit, Mm -hmm. can I ask you maybe a vulnerable question? Okay. Do you really, do you believe that you will stand before God one day and give an account for every member of Watermark today? I absolutely believe that. And it, it uh, is an awesome weight of responsibility. Mm -hmm. So, I believe, and what I mean by that is, I'm not just pastoring individuals, but I'm also pastoring the church, the 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 culture, the environment, the system, if you will, right? And I know that sounds, the health of the church is my responsibility, mm-hmm. that people can um, find a place to flourish, discover their gifts, experience community, um, be educated to know God's word. I'm responsible for that. And so um, that is a heavy weight of responsibility I carry along with the other men I serve with. But I absolutely do believe I'm going to stand before the Lord, both in how I love and encourage and um, befriend Oren and you and others, and also, though, how I lead and think about how we as elders are um, leading and caring for the church at large. Wow. That's a big responsibility. Uh, yes. Grateful that you said yes. <laughs> All right. Uh, we'll get in a little bit more to how our elder system actually works a little bit more. So we'll we'll get into that in a bit. But the next mark or characteristic of a healthy church I have is serving. So, Oren, why don't you talk to us a little bit about serving? Yeah. So, you know, just a quick word. You know, one of my favorite passages on the church is Ephesians 4 uh, in verse uh, 11 where, where God gives uh, pastors and teachers for what purpose? To equip the saints for the work of ministry for the building up of the body. Mm-hmm. So I think inherent in that, uh, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, to, to build mm-hmm. up the body, that's that's what serving is, right? So it's not that the pastors and te- the pastor teachers who, who are doing the work of ministry exclusively. No, their, their calling by God is to preach the word so that the saints will be equipped to what? To do the work of ministry. And so that's what we call service, right? And what is that service characterized by? We can go on and read in the rest of Ephesians 4, other places in the New Testament. That service is characterized by uh, anything and everything it takes to, to build up the body to maturity in Christ. That could be done speaking the truth in love, admonishing, rebuking, bearing one another's burdens, helping further the mission of the church as the church faithfully proclaims the gospel to, to the world. Mm-hmm. All right. So that the next mark of a healthy church that we have, the next characteristic, is the idea of church discipline. Mm-hmm. And so, Blake, I think this could be one of the more misunderstood or polarizing ones. So mm-hmm. talk to us a little bit about what Scripture has to say about the importance and reason behind church discipline. I do believe that church discipline is often misunderstood. And this is what I was speaking to earlier when I was talking about um, authority or discipline. These are words that we kind of bristle at. I think we kind of shy away from um, or apologize for, and we shouldn't. Authority is a good thing. God establishes authority. Discipline is a good thing. So um, as long as it is practiced in a biblical manner. So the book of Hebrews, what does it say? That God disciplines those whom he loves. Think of church discipline like a good father who would discipline his child. Not to deprive, not to, to, um, to, to punish, but to restore, to heal, um, to correct so that his child can learn and, um, and, and be protected. That's what good discipline does. Mm-hmm. And so as I discipline my four kids, it's not that I want to deprive them of something good. I discipline them to protect them. I discipline them so they can learn and grow and mature. And so 
that church discipline is us as the body of Christ loving each other to um, admonish each other, to remind each other of what is true, and to correct behavior that's inconsistent with God's Word. And that's what we're all doing when we become members of a church. We're saying, hey, I'm signing up. So for you, you two, to remind me of the goodness of God, to tell me what God's Word says, and to love me enough to tell me when, hey, my actions are inconsistent with that. That's what church discipline is. And it can look um, informal, like if I'm rude to Orrin, he just says to me, hey, man, that was hurtful, or you call me out for that. Or it could be more formal where, hey, I'm, I'm living a lifestyle that needs to be um, called out. Mm-hmm. And, and then maybe it's a group of friends who are saying, hey, Blake, this, this isn't healthy for you. So Blake or Orrin, why do you think that this concept is so difficult for people? And I actually say that as it was difficult for me when I was in, an early, early on and really walking my faith and becoming part of a church. This was a difficult concept for me. It just felt harsh. Yeah. So I think, what do you say I, to that? So thank you for asking that question. And my heart hurts deeply for those who have that perception. It really does. I'm burdened by that. Um, it's 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 akin to someone who is like, man, I never really, I, I don't want to have a family. Mm-hmm. Well, why do you not want to have a family? Well, I don't want to have a family because I saw what happened in my parents' marriage. I saw the abuse that took place, you know, in my home. And so the, um, to answer your question, the reason why we have those perceptions is because it's been practiced so poorly. Mm-hmm. We've seen the mm-hmm. abuse of mm-hmm. it. And because we've seen the abuse of it, now we're like, we throw the whole thing out. And I'm like, oh, man, can I show you a model of a beautiful home where a mom and dad or a husband and wife love each other and a mom and dad um, lead their home in a way where their kids feel championed, loved, nourished, corrected, cared for, um, uh, uh, hugged, held? I mean, that's that's the home I want to show you because mm-hmm. I think that's what God has for you. But the reason why we bristle at it is because we've seen um, the abuse of it. We've read— uh, Nathaniel Hawthorne, right? We've we've seen the Scarlet Letter, mm-hmm. read the Scarlet Letter, and those are the things that we've that we bristle at, yeah. and yeah. so we allow the abuse to feel like it's normative instead of seeing that as the exception. Yeah. And where churches do that, where it is abusive, it should absolutely be ended and it mm-hmm. should be called out. Mm-hmm. So that's why what's so great about God's Word is it's not subjective. We can read God's Word and find out, hey, mm-hmm. what makes for healthy church? What makes for healthy leadership? Uh-huh. Yeah, right. And it's important to see that, you know, church discipline doesn't have it. Well, one, there's a spectrum from that would be from more informal to formal. Mm-hmm. You know, we see this in Matthew 18, that a lot of informal discipline is just as Christians gather together uh, and as they live their life together, that they speak the truth in love. Mm-hmm. If if any one of us is caught in a, in a trespass, if we're, if we're caught in or living in unrepentant sin, right, I, I want my brothers and my sisters to come to me because I know that that's, I'm headed towards fire. And, and, right. and I want the life of Christ. And I want I want brothers and sisters in my life who who want me to experience and enjoy and walk in that life in Christ. And so they're going to lovingly come to me like I'm going to do my children if they're running towards a fire to speak to them, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm going to speak a word that's appropriate, right? Maybe it's going to be more gentle and loving, but sometimes it's going to be a lot more firm uh, given the severity, right, what what they're running from. So so there's a a spectrum of that. And also it's important to see that we're not disciplining for— 
sin, because if that were the case, all of us would be disciplined That's every right. week because we all, we all stumble in many That's ways, right. as James says. But we're, but, but we're doing it because of unrepentant sin, mm-hmm. of a person who refuses to, 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 to let go of sin mm-hmm. and to turn from it. And so, you know, if, if a person is doing that, right, if, if they're publicly uh, confronted uh, and, and, you know, then we have a responsibility to tell it to the church, and if they refuse to listen, if they refuse to turn from their sin, then the church has a responsibility uh, to, to do church discipline in a more informal way. And again, it's it's for their good, right? right? As 1 Corinthians 5 says, it's so that they can be restored and redeemed. Mm-hmm. It's a good thing. Yeah. And as Hebrews 12 says, a father disciplines his son um, to restore him. Mm-hmm. It's for the purpose of restoration. Mm-hmm. So, I love what you said that abuse is the exception and that church discipline, when, when administered in accordance with God's word is an act of love, kindness, and goodness. No question. No question. All right. So that's one of the another mark or characteristic of a healthy church. So the next one we want to talk about is the concept of evangelism. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So we talked earlier, you know, about the per- the purpose of the church and and both gathering, right, which is which is vital, uh, but also scattering. Mm-hmm. It's kind of language that's been used. And, and what I mean by that is we're not supposed to just gather and, and become our own little little enclave, right, where we're kind of shut off from the world. No, Jesus has given us a commission, right? Go make disciples uh, of, of all the nations. Uh, how? By, by baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and by teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you with the promise that he's with us, right, to the end of the age. And so evangelism is an important part of the church because as we live on mission together, we understand uh, that, that we're, we're, we're gathered to, to be strengthened by God's word so that we can go out in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods, to the nations to proclaim the gospel to those who need to hear it so that they can find their life in Christ. And so evangelism is a, is a, is a very important part uh, of, of living on mission uh, in, in obedience to Jesus' great commission given to us in Matthew 28. Okay, great. Um, the next characteristic of a healthy church is the concept of ordinances. Yep. So, Orrin, why don't you tell us a little bit about ordinances? Today? Yeah, well, maybe you know, just a word on the term ordinances. That's a weird word, but it's it's w- simply what Christ ordained, right? Mm-hmm. What okay. he's commanded his church uh, to practice as they come together. And and the first one is, I just said it in Matthew 28, is is baptism, right? Mm-hmm. That's that's the, and, and really these ordinances really make the gospel visible. Uh, and so, you know, we believe here at Watermark Community Church that uh, er- every believer is to be baptized, right? Be- because baptism uh, is, a, is a visible proclamation of an invisible change that's happened, mm-hmm. right? Because we've been baptized uh, into Christ spiritually, we've been united with him in his death and resurrection, uh, we, we want to publicly uh, uh, portray that or put that on display mm-hmm. uh, for our church to see uh, of, of what's happening to us as we publicly profess and proclaim our faith in Christ. So it's a, it's a wonderful uh, act that the church has given uh, that Jesus has given the church uh, as we practice our life together. The other ordinances is the Lord's Supper, just as we come together to to celebrate or commemorate in a very special way the death and resurrection of Jesus. Mm-hmm. So as we uh, eat the bread and and drink the cup, we're remembering that Christ's body was broken for us, that His blood was shed for our sins. Uh, and, and we're to do that until he comes. So we look back to the cross of Christ. Uh, we, we enjoy this meal in the present as something that nourishes us, as a sign that, that we are nourished in Christ and have what we need in him. And we do it uh, as we look toward the future. We do that until he comes and, and we enjoy that great meal, that last banquet on that last day. Okay. I, I like to think of baptism as a welcome to the family. Mm-hmm. It's it's where the body of Christ, that local church, welcomes the individual and says, hey, welcome to the family. You're a part of this family. 
it's an um, opportunity for that person to profess their faith, but for the church also to embrace them. And then the Lord's Supper is the, the chance that we have to gather around the, the dinner table mm-hmm. and um, share in fellowship and remind each other of our commitment to each other, our love for each other, and our commitment to following the Lord. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we just covered a lot of different characteristics of the healthy church. So what I heard is um, some characteristics that mark a healthy church as prescribed in Scripture are the preaching of the Word, the concept of membership— discipleship, a healthy elder um, team, serving, church discipline, evangelism, and ordinances. That's what Scripture has to tell us about what makes for a healthy church, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, so now we're going to move into we are all part of the same local church here at Watermark. So how do we apply those different aspects in our local context? What do they look like? How do we think about them here in Dallas, Texas to help our members kind of understand how we're applying God's word specifically in our local context. Mm-hmm. So let's go there. So let's start back up at the top again. How do we think about the preaching of the word here at Watermark? What would you say about that, Orin? Yeah, so, you know, I think it's it's uh, shown significantly in the fact that we have two teaching pastors uh, who primarily teach the word week in and week out. Mm-hmm. So, you know, for example, we're preaching through First Peter. Mm-hmm. And although, you know, Blake may preach on occasion and I may preach on occasion and others may preach on occasion, I mean, it's our two teaching pastors who are regularly opening up God's word and we're literally going word by word, verse by verse through books of the Bible. And it, it is a wonderful feast every Sunday that that me uh, and and my that I that my family and I can come to expect. Right, mm-hmm. there's an expectance that that we uh, teach our kids. Like we're we're getting ready to gather on Sunday, and we're going to get to hear God's word, mm-hmm. uh, so that we can be we can be fed, we can be nourished, we can be built up and equipped to to live out our week. And so, you know, it's a, it's an important act of, of what we do. It's why we preach through books of the Bible. Uh, it's, it's why we do things like join the journey. What uh, is join the journey? Jo- that's a great question. Okay, great. So join the journey is, so so we not only want to give ourselves to the public preaching and teaching of the Word, which we do, uh, for example, on Sundays, but also, you know, maybe more personal or private, we do join the journey, which is a, a ministry to help our church read through Scripture together. And so it's a daily reading plan. It's a daily reading that plan. That we are all in yep. we're in the middle of Exodus right now. Yep. And yep. we have journals for our members. We have Join the Journey Junior for kids so they can track with with us as we read through scripture that comes with good questions and commentary. We have a podcast that you can listen to every day uh, as we as we journey together reading God's word together. And everybody's invited to do that. Everybody people invited. do it from all over the world, yep. literally. So if you want to do it, you can sign up, join the journey. Com. Oh, wow. What a plug. We love that. There you go. Blake, what do you think about preaching of the word? Well, I would just add one thing to what Oren said. The fact that we have two teaching pastors is significant, and it's something I think is very refreshing. Um, you know, we were talking about what is preaching, and I heard one person say, hey, preaching is truth poured through personality. And, um, and there's, I, I like that. And I, I think there's a lot of—that's um, a helpful description of, of what preaching is— T.A. and John are two the best Bible teachers I know of. Our two teaching pastors. Our two teaching pastors. T.A. and John Elmore. Yes. And I I love that I get to hear from them. And I love the fact that we have a model like this because each one gets to faithfully prepare. And they don't have the pressure of, hey, it's next Sunday, it's next Sunday, it's next Sunday, it's next Sunday. But they get to get away, think, plan, devote their time to study God's Word, and then preach it. And so, and our preaching is not centered around one personality or person or preaching style. And so, um, 
when we come together, we're here to hear God's word. The authority is in God's word. And we just have to be blessed to have two teaching pastors mm-hmm. who are faithful to teach it. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. All right, great. So that was um, how we think about preaching of the word. Blake, how do we think about membership here at Waterwork? Well, I spoke a little bit about membership and its, its importance. So for us, um, just pragmatically, you go to what we call Discover Watermark, and then we have a membership class, which is very similar to like what a lot of churches do. But each member here, we ask them to be in a community group. And then we ask them to find a place to serve. Mm -hmm. And that's not because, hey, that's the watermark way, but that's what Scripture calls us to. We need to live um, according to the one another's of Scripture. The means by which we do that is through smaller groups of people who gather. Um, Those community groups um, have a community group leader. That community group leader is then connected to someone on our staff. Uh, We call a community group director who can pastor and love and lead them. Um, and, um, and then also every member's called to serve. First Peter 4.10 tells us that each one of us has been given a gift to serve. So that's the expectation of our members, not because we want to be legalistic, um, but we want to call people to obedience. And ministry is not reserved for those who are on staff, right? Ministry is, um, as Ephesians 4 says, we're supposed to do ministry through people, not to people. Mm-hmm. It's the job of the church to equip the saints— for the work of ministry. So 1 Peter 4 tells us that we've been given gifts, Ephesians 4, Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12. Each one of us have been given gifts. Our job as those on staff is to set our body up to do the work of the ministry that the Lord has called them to do. Okay, so we do also something in regard to our membership that's a little different. We actually ask our members to re-up every year. So our roster goes to zero every January 1. Every, and then that's right. we have an annual membership renewal that we ask people in the month of January to say, do you still agree to our covenant? Are you in for the next year? It's pretty unusual for a church to do that. Not all, not, why do we do that? And where did that start? So this is, um, it wasn't my idea, but the elders who, um, when we they started Watermark, um, really said, hey, we need to do this. Well, I don't know, maybe Oren or Caitlin um, or those listening, maybe you're still a member of a church that you previously attended, maybe during childhood or college or young adult years, where churches just continue to have a membership role with all the names of the people who are on there, but they haven't been there in years. And so that, how, how we have to say, hey, do you still want to be held accountable? Do you still want to be a part of this local body so we know who our members are? Because ultimately, like I said before, I am accountable. We are accountable to one another. Well, how can I be accountable to caring for you or someone else when I don't even know their name, right? And I certainly don't want to be held responsible for someone who hadn't been here in 25 years. Mm-hmm. I need to, we need to know who our members are so we can care for them, lead them, right? Provide for them. Um, and then um, our members need to know that, hey, this is the place where I can look to these leaders for direction and instruction and, and for help. Mm-hmm. All right. So. Okay, the next characteristic of a healthy church, we want to talk about how we apply it at Watermark, is the concept of discipleship. Mm-hmm. So, Oren, talk to us about how we think about that here. Yeah, so we talked earlier about what is a disciple is one who follows Jesus. <clears throat> um, and so, you know, as we think about discipleship, uh, what, what we want to do at Watermark is we want to help people grow in Christ wherever they are in their Christian life. So what I mean by wherever they are, they could be uh, a, a new Christian, they could be a growing Christian, they could be a mature Christian. Mm-hmm. And so we want to, to come alongside them and really give them kind of the 
two uh, essential components of, of, of what it means to grow in Christ. You have to have learning, teaching, and you have to have community, like doing that in context with each other as members of the body. And so, you know, we have uh, equipping classes uh, that, that take you from, you know, if you're a new Christian, how to grow, how to study your Bible, those kind of things. Uh, we have, if you're a, a growing Christian, uh, we, we want to take you a little bit deeper and challenge you to grow a little mm-hmm. bit deeper so you can take next steps. If you're a mature Christian, we want to we want to uh, to help you know God through Scripture in, in ways that will help you continue to grow in Christ as we uh, make our way to the end. And so we have equipping classes. We have, uh, you know, specific ministries like Regen, if you're struggling with a specific sin, just how you can pursue and grow in holiness. We have ministries to, if you want to become a better husband or wife or uh, student ministry, and we have all these kinds of, of ministries that we do at Watermark uh, for the sole purpose of, of helping disciple our people, help our people follow Jesus wherever they are. What is, how does community, you mentioned community groups, how does community groups fit into our discipleship model? Yeah, so as we, um, you know, hear the word and respond to the word, our community groups are our are, are contexts or places where we can practice the one another to one another. Uh, and, and so what does that as, mean? Uh, as you know, all the one another's in the New Testament: love one another, bear one another's burdens, admonish one another, encourage mm-hmm. one another. All the one—I mean, there's dozens of them. Uh, and and so you know, uh, we we want to to give people a, a place where they can uh, spend you know outside of our Sunday morning gathering every week in a smaller context, so that they can live their lives together, so they can hold each other accountable, so they can help each other grow, so they can pray for one another. Uh, if someone's struggling with sin, we we want the the community group uh, uh, to to be able to come alongside them and bear their burdens with them and, and help them in in much more specific uh, and intimate ways outside of the Sunday morning gathering. Yeah, community group is our first line of defense, if you will, mm-hmm. where, you, where someone knows your name, mm-hmm. where someone uh, knows what you're praying for and therefore can pray intelligently for you. Someone can follow up with you. Someone can, um, uh, you know, be the one to remind you of the truth of God's word when maybe you're down or follow up with you after a surgery or bring you a meal. That's the that's the place where we can have the tangible expression of the hands and feet of Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, you know, it, it's so common in churches that you can come to and gather with your church on Sunday. And really, if you want to, you can remain anonymous. Uh, and that happens at smaller churches. That happens at larger churches. You can kind of come, come in late, sit at the back. Uh, and leave early, mm-hmm. and and which is unhealthy. I would not encourage that. But you know what? You can't re- remain anonymous in your community group. Mm-hmm. And so it is a structured way for us to be a uh, 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 focused discipleship uh, as we live our lives together. Okay, great. So the next characteristic of a healthy church is the concept of having healthy elders. So mm-hmm. talk to us about our elder model at Watermark. Well, we have a small group of men. Um, we have uh, five men right now. We're about to add one. And the role of elder, real quickly, is found right here, the responsibility of an elder is in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 1. So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for selfish gain, but eagerly, not domineering, over those in your charge, but being examples of the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. So um, the primary responsibility of an elder is to shepherd the flock of God as we follow the shepherd, the good shepherd, Jesus Christ. 
the qualifications for an elder are found in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and Titus 1. Mm-hmm. And so what does that look like, though, pragmatically for us? There's um, soon to be six of us, uh, six men. We believe it's the office is reserved for men. We're a complementarian church. And um, we live in um, close relationship and accountability with one another. I think people would be surprised to know how much time y'all spend together in that. A a lot. Yes. So I think sometimes it's helpful. You, people will refer to an elder board, and I, you might think of an elder board, and which is maybe a monthly or weekly meeting where you kind of just get together and you do business work. So I'm blessed to serve alongside men who are um, pastoring and leading and spending time and caring for people within our church. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not just sitting there making business decisions, but um, the men I'm serving alongside are in the lives of people within our church. Mm-hmm. We're meeting with individuals, with community groups. Um, we're we're caring for and knowing those within our within our body. So it's not uncommon for us to jump in the middle of conflict or to do a wedding or to show up at a hospital room or um, help men as they're trying to negotiate maybe some challenges in their business or just, hey, how can we help our body uh, more fully follow Christ? And so um, our elders are um, our pastors who are shepherding the body. I think one of my favorite things about y'all is when I've gotten to go to an elder meeting or things like that, y'all really love each other. Mm -hmm. And I think people would be surprised. You do a lot of heavy work together, but y'all also laugh a lot. Mm -hmm. And y'all are friends. Yes. Which is really fun because you spend so much time together. We are in constant, constant conversation, whether through phone or text or uh, email. We meet often. We pray for our church, extended time in prayer. And it's just so important that the health of our relationships, right, we've got to be the healthiest community group, so to speak. And y'all get in conflict. Right? Oh, man. It, no question. We get in conflict. <laughs> the, but the point is, how do we handle that yes, conflict? Absolutely. And that's what's so important. Mm-hmm. How do we handle it? And those guys hold me accountable. Talk about church discipline. I, I find myself in church <laughs> discipline often. Maybe I'm too terse or rude or biting with my words. And it's like, hey, man, that that right there, that felt harsh. And I need that. I need that mm-hmm. correction. But I get to serve alongside these guys um, in doing the work of the ministry. Awesome. All right, so the next characteristic of a healthy church we want to unpack is the idea of serving. So how do we think about serving here or in at Watermark? Yeah, so, you know, again, we believe every every Christian has the gift of the Holy Spirit, right? So the Spirit of God indwells or lives in every believer. And the Spirit, right, one, one of the Spirit's purposes is to gift— uh, to give a spiritual gift, at least one, to every to every Christian, right? And and so we want every Christian to use their spiritual gifts to serve, build up the body of Christ, as Ephesians four says. And so you know we 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 want you know that maybe that's going to be more informal ways as we gather each Sunday and we and we use our spiritual gifts to build up the body through speaking to one another through weeping with one another, through rejoicing with mm-hmm. one another. Uh, you know, every member ministry, I, I want to, you know, emphasize, don't underestimate the ministry of presence. Just <laughs> being here on Sundays and being intentional with your words and your actions with your fellow brother or sister in Christ service. is an act of awesome. service. And then we have more formal ways that we can serve too. We can serve in various ministries like region or in marriage or people that are engaged or with students or with children. I mean, there's 
there's a, a hundred different ministries, right? Not just in the church, but outside of the church, you know, through our ministry partners of, of, of living on mission, uh, helping the gospel, proclaiming the gospel uh, to people who need to hear it with uh, in different, you know, different kinds of people, right? Uh, all over the city. It's amazing. And across the nations. So there is, if you are sitting there listening to this, watching this, and you think, and I wish there was a place for me to serve a watermark, and believe me. <laughs> uh, come talk to me, and I'll yeah. name 50 things off yes. the top of my head, and any one of us can. I love the concept that weeping with somebody is an act of service mm-hmm. to the church. It I don't is. know that I thought about and that And we've been informal. recipients of that, and it's a blessing. That's awesome. All right, the next mark of a healthy church we want to talk about is the concept of church discipline. And we talked a lot about this a little bit previously, so how do we think about church discipline here at Watermark, Blake? Yeah, I'm going to use the um, metaphor— of an intervention, right? I want you to think about someone in your family who struggles with alcohol, and mm-hmm. it's gotten to the point where the family feels like it's necessary. Hey, we need to do something more drastic than just have a conversation. We need to have an intervention. And so um, the goal and the purpose, again, is not to embarrass or to shame or to, to guilt someone, right, um, to, to belittle them, but to free them from alcohol. So church discipline is the church's means of intervention. So what it looks like is maybe in a community group, um, I'll use alcohol. Maybe somebody's abusing alcohol. In that community, That maybe it's the spouse says, hey, my husband continues to struggle. I live with him. I'm watching him drink. I'm watching him become um, uh, shorter with our kids. It concerns me. That community group then loves him and says, hey, this, this isn't just— This week, remember, hey, we talked about this last week, talked about the week before, it's becoming a pattern in your life. And if that that person is continuing just to stiffen his neck and say, hey, and minimizing and and, um, denying, right, um, the fact that alcohol is a problem in his life, it may get to the point where that group then says, hey, um, our friend who we love doesn't recognize that he has a problem. Mm-hmm. And we're raising our hands saying we're concerned. And mm-hmm. as long as he continues to stiffen his neck, then that's when they might um, share that information with our community group director. And then an elder might get involved in those conversations. And, and more people outside the community group, but still part of the church who love and have a relationship with them, might gather and say to this person, hey, listen, we love you. But alcohol is destroying your life. Mm-hmm. You don't recognize how it's damaging and hurting you, your relationship with others and those you love and those outside your home. And you have called us. To, you've said to us, hey, help me be the man I want to be in following Christ. Because and you're a member. Because you're a if member you're here. Community. That's right. Yeah. You're a member. You're part of this family, right? And because you're a part of this family, right? It's I mean, Again, using that family language. I don't discipline my neighbor's kid next door, mm-hmm. right? And so— we as the family of God are saying to you, hey, this concerns us because we, we've heard you say, hey, help me be the man of God that I, I want to be. And so we have the intervention not to shame the person, not to belittle the person or to judge or cast judgment on him. What we're doing is we're trying to call him to obedience mm-hmm. because we know that God's way is the best way. And so we want him to live according to Scripture. And what's so sweet, Caitlin, and having been a part of hard conversations like this, is when you see that person in repentance put away the alcohol and be restored and loved and welcomed Mm -hmm. and begin to walk in freedom. And then they're able to express, hey, listen, I was not in a good place. And man— 
thank you for loving me and telling uh, loving me enough to tell the truth. So there's always a way back. Always, it's all, yes. there always has to be a way back. Okay, so I'll use another metaphor. It's just as simple as is. I am going to love you enough to tell you the truth, right? You know, I don't want to have bad breath. Okay, but I'm walking around and everybody's like, man. Blake's got bad breath. He's got to do something about bad breath. Well, now that you say that. Now you say that. And so you you say, hey, man, I love you enough to tell you. This is, everybody notices it but you. Everybody knows you have bad breath but you. And I know you don't want to have bad breath. And hopefully I'd go, oh, man, thank you. I I didn't, I didn't see the way I was harsh with Caitlin. You know, I, I, I'm not aware that I'm being um, temperamental right now. I don't want to be moody. But thank you for telling me that because now I can address it. Because I can't address it if I can't see it. Mm-hmm. And so that's what church discipline does. It helps me see the things I may not see um, on my own. So I'm hearing from you for the way we think about church discipline, and this is a little bit of a generalization when it comes to formal church discipline, is it often happens in the context of your community group mm-hmm. among members, mm-hmm. and the purpose is always restoration. That's right. And then, and hopefully it won't get to the point where that person says, hey, you know what? Uh I no longer want to be a member here. Mm-hmm. Or we have to say to them, according to 1 Corinthians 5 and other places of Scripture, where we just go, hey, brother, we love you enough to tell you that uh, you're welcome to come and visit, but you're no longer considered a part of this local body of believers. It's just inconsistent mm-hmm. to say, hey, I want to be a member here, but yet you're living antithetical to the Word of God. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, let's talk about the next characteristic of a healthy church. So the next one is evangelism. Mm-hmm. Blake, how do we think about evangelism? So ev- Everything we do is going to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Everything. You know, th- so think about it from a, um, a corporate perspective, maybe, and then an individual perspective. Every time we gather, every single Sunday um, within our preaching, you're going to hear the gospel. So every Sunday, the gospel is going to be included in our preaching. Um, in our smaller midweek ministries, people are going to hear the gospel so that's going to be embedded in everything we say and we do in mm-hmm. every ministry across our church. But then individually, um, we want to equip our members for evangelism so they can go to work or go to school or as they meet with neighbors and share the love and hope of Jesus Christ. Um, and then we want to give them uh, on-ramps and tools so they can do that, answer the commonly asked questions of the Christian faith, or simply invite their friends to come to ministries um, uh, like we have what's called great questions, or uh, which is a just a awesome, night awesome ministry. Yeah, any every Monday you've night. Any question about people exploring that? That's right. If you faith. are if you are exploring the faith, you can come here on Monday night and know you can ask any question, and you you can ask it, and it will be well received, and it's a safe environment to express your doubts and express your objections, and know that someone is is going to listen to you mm-hmm. and share with you what Scripture has to say. And so there's lots of ways in which we um, share the love and hope of, of, of Christ. That's awesome. All right. So the final characteristic of a healthy church is the concept of ordinances. How do we think about administering the ordinances here at Watermark? When does that happen? Yeah. So, you know, if you're here at Watermark, I mean, there's baptisms that take place basically every week. Uh, so, you know, a, a buddy of mine uh, wrote a, a great book on baptism, and he said uh, baptism is, is like when you join a team, you get to wear the jersey. And so when, it, when it's applied to the Christian life, we, we join the team by turning from our sin and trusting in Jesus. That's the only way of life. And baptism is that act of putting on the jersey, right? It's the, it's the public making, making visible mm-hmm. that, we have, that we have joined the team. And it's visible because the church affirms and receives that person to say, yes, 
you are accountable to us, and we are accountable to you as a brother and sister in Christ as we live the Christian life together in our local church. And so you'll see baptisms happen, happen every week, uh, and then we take— After our services often. Yes. Yeah. And then— And you'll hear them share their testimony. You'll have, yep, they'll share their testimony. Uh, people are watching. People are celebrating. I mean, it's, it's such a wonderful time. Mm-hmm. And then when it comes to the Lord's Supper, or often called communion, we celebrate that once a month where we eat the bread and drink the cup together as we commemorate Jesus' death and resurrection until he comes. And so it's a wonderful celebration as we remember all that he's done for us and the the benefits that we've received by virtue of being united to Christ by faith. And when we do that, we actually read the Apostles' Creed uh, together. We confess that together. A long line of Christians have done it for millennia. We confess the Apostles' Creed to remind each other what we believe. And that specifically happens during our services. It happens during our services. Awesome. Team, we covered a lot of content. We did. So not only did we cover all of the characteristics of a healthy church and then how we apply them at Watermark in part two of this episode, we also had part one. So if people miss this, they can go back and listen to part one to talk about the history of the church, the purpose of the church. But we did it. We got through it. Awesome. And we still have more to share, Kayla. We have more to share. Can't There's do it a now, part though. three. Episode three. three. Oh, There's yeah. not a part three. But I mean, there could be, but maybe we give it a rest for just a second and we'll come back, right. you know? All right. Well, thanks for joining us for this episode of the Watermark Equipping Podcast. We'll see you next time. And until then, have a great week of worship. Mm-hmm.